Welcome to Younger and Older with Jason and Dave. I was very intentional. If you hey! Listen, if you listened to our last episode, I think I usually start off with hey. I did, though. So I was very conscious not to this time, even though I think I 99.9% of the time I say, hey, it, welcome to Younger and Older. I think you need to, because then people won't know what they're listening to if you don't start with a hey. This is true. So maybe, maybe hey. I should say, hey, welcome to Younger yeah, and Older. You this is Jason and Dave. There so go. there it is. It's at least in this episode as well. Um, but we're hanging out. We're having fun. We're, we're talking about life, talking about just issues that we face and just having dialogue discussions. That's kind of repetitive and redundant, but that's okay. Because um, sometimes we just Repetitive, redundant, and um, you've said it often. Thank you for correcting me. In yes. That, which is No good. problem. No problem. Um, you know, but one thing I like about the show is is that we can just talk about life and, and even address things that, that I think oftentimes people wonder but aren't necessarily willing to ask or have the discussions about. Um, because we live in a world where we have our own thoughts and opinions and sometimes even questions. Yep. And we either we either just ignore them or we almost engage them in a, in a wrong context where like we throw something out on Facebook for to be misinterpreted and argued and debated. Um, and we know, I feel like it's this is rare that right. we sit down and have discussions, especially somebody from an older generation to yep. a younger generation, without getting heated, without getting upset. You know, even if we do have differing opinions, it, 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 I think it's a good thing to have discussions and conversations. And, you know, if it's something that, that you're listening and you don't often do it, I would challenge you, you know, have conversations yep. and bring it up. I mean, more than just sports and the weather. I mean, that stuff is easy to talk about. Very. You know, it's very easy to talk about how superior the Bears are to the Packers. But we won't get into that because... That would be a lie, though. But it would be easy to truth. talk about because <laughs> lies are easy. Yeah. And whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, but it, it's a little bit harder to get into the nitty-gritty of life and talk about it. You know, I don't know why. And I think part of it is because there's something about exposing the darkness to light. And the more that you talk, expose, you know, things that we're dealing with in life to the truth of Scripture, that's that's a difficult thing to do. And so I think that's why it makes it that's why I think there's sometimes people feel uncomfortable or awkward is because that's what Satan is trying to do. He's trying to bring that awkwardness and uncomfortability to the situation. So it discourages people to talk about truth, to talk about what, what is going on in their lives. Well, it's, it's interesting because we all seem to set a network around us of people who believe like we do. Right. And the older you get, the more you hang out with people that believe like you believe. Right. Uh, I get to work with business guys a lot and just talking to them and, and, uh, at my age and stuff. And I, one of the things that I advocate is you should always have people in your life that are from outside your life. Yeah. They see things, and we talked about this before, but they see things that, that you haven't seen. Um, I was listening to a, a TED Talk. I don't know if you listen to TED Talks ever, but... Uh, not often. But. They're, they're kind of interesting. I mean, if you find ones, I'm not, I'm not advocating every TED Talk that's out there. I'm just saying every once in a while I'll find a topic I want to listen to and hear, hear what they say. And I always compare it to the scripture, so I have a anchor to look at. But one of these um, people that was, was giving a talk, and I don't know who they were, but they were talking about how when they get criticized on social media, yeah, they now look at it and they call the person up or they contact them personally. Hmm. And how every single time it's changed when they talk to them, either face to face, or they actually talk to the person, right. it changes. Hmm. And and what's happening is we're hiding behind um, not having to look at somebody. Right. We're Absolutely. hiding behind it. Right. So it's easy to criticize, beat up somebody, say things, and they're not around. Right. Look them in the eye and do it. Right. The scriptures tell us if somebody sins and does something they shouldn't do, obviously, that you go to them and talk to them. Right. 
That's going to them, not emailing them. I mean, go to them. Yeah. And, and look them in the eye and talk to them. Yeah. And if they don't respond, then you bring somebody else to them and talk to them. Yeah. And if they don't respond, you bring three people or more back to them and talk to them. Right. See, what you're doing is you're giving them a relational opportunity to work through this. Right. Now, there does come a time where if they claim to be a Christian, yeah. it says then have nothing more to do with them because they're very dangerous. Mm. In that sense. But you go through the relational side first. And right. those who would disagree with that, look, you need to talk to God. This is his plan. This right. is how it works. And he actually knows what he's talking about when it comes to relationships. So right. go talk to a person. They don't do what they should. You know, maybe you need to make steps to not have them around. Right. And I think that's an interesting, an interesting point that you bring up, Dave. You know, because I think at, at some point in our lives, we all, we all have someone, you know, that is struggling with sin. Um, in our lives. I mean, we all struggle with sin at some point. Absolutely. You know, and then there, there are sometimes, you know, one or two that, that we, whether it's a, a close friend or an acquaintance that we know well enough that, you know, almost is disregarding, um, you know, they claim to be a believer and they're disregarding anything to do with, with correcting the sin that they're living in. They know that they're living in sin, whether they want to admit it or not. And they don't want to change, right? You know. So, w- what do we do about that? You know, yeah. how, as as a, as a, as somebody who loves them and cares for them, you know, how do we approach that? You know, yeah. what's what what does the Bible say? You know, because yeah. I think that's something that 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 we're facing more and more nowadays is because it's so easy to normalize things, and we kind of briefly touched about this um, in other episodes. Yep. You know, where where you know things that were not normal have now become normal I, I, i'm not using right. the correct no, vocabulary right. but um but you know so what how do we how do we engage them how do we challenge them um like you almost like you what you were getting at there. yeah well first i think there's different situations and you have to be sensitive to them and someone's thinking oh so situational ethics i don't teach i teach ethics and i'm against situational ethics yeah but there are situations right like, for example let's say there's a married couple right one of them becomes a Christian. Yeah. The other does not. Right. The Bible pretty much says that if your husband agrees to continue to live with you and you are a believer and you're acting like a believer, that kind of thing, and they want to stay with you, don't divorce them. Right. Don't divorce them. So yeah, Bible's very you see, clear there's, a right. different, there's a different idea with family because family is always something that you don't choose. It's not somebody that you can, you know, it's right. no matter what happens, if, if you're married, you come to Christ... Um, this man or is the father of your children or you're the mother of the children, that's not going to change. Right. So it's not so easy to say, I'm going to have nothing to do with you because that, that may not work. Right. Um, it always will go back to this, though, Jason, and it, it will always go back to people are not cows, they're sheep. We don't herd them, we lead them. Mm. So what happens is I need to live right in front of those people. I need yeah. to live in a way that compels them to examine my life right? and think of what's best for them and live that way. Uh, two words that, that flew into my head as you were talking. One was enable and one was empower. Mm. And they're hugely different. Yeah. I think if you're an enabler, you're basically thinking about yourself and your comfort and your ease and you don't care about the other person. And I know that's pretty powerful, but if you're an enabler, what you're doing is you're making sure that whatever the problem is, you're just making sure that it's easy to stay that way. Right. And you call that love, mm. which then is really hard to correct because you're saying we should love people. What you're really saying is no matter what they struggle with, no matter how hard it is, we should let them be because we love them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not true. Right. 
Right. Not true. So if your children were going to uh, run out in the street. Right. You know, not only would you want to know that, not only would you correct it, but if you weren't around and I saw it, right, I would correct it. You would correct it. And Absolutely. then bring them to you. Right. You know, and I, I might not spank them or anything, but I would say, you cannot do this. And right. they'd probably be scared to death at that point of me. Um, but I would bring them to you and make a big deal about it. And you would have to calm them down later and say, Dave really likes you or something. But, right. you know, the, the bottom line really is you care about somebody, you see them doing something that's even age appropriate. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there, there can be things that people do that they're just not thinking through right. at this point. What we need to do is not say, oh, well, that's how boys are. They run across the street without looking. Right. No, that's an enabling idea. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't get on them for everything. I agree, but that's an enabling idea. Right. You have to get on them for the things that matter. Mm. You have to. Right. And not only do the mom and dad need to get on them, but the community does. Right. Now, if you want to extend that to um, an older family, yeah, it's the same thing. You have a community. Mm-hmm. Now, here, here's what might happen. Somebody, um, let's say in your family, yeah. somebody in your family isn't doing what they should be doing. Mm-hmm. So the Bible makes it clear. They say they're Christians. Yep. Now, if, if they're not believers, by the way. Right. It's a different story. It's a different story. They're right. not believers. Right, right. And, and, and you should have your guard up, and they're not going to influence you anyway because they're not believers. And you right. know that, and they live as non-believers. So this is not an issue. Right. The issue is really if they are one who claimed to be Christ— then what would happen is if somebody's living in your family, uh, Jason, that is not doing the right things, they claim to be a Christian, then I go to them and I talk to them about it personally, face-to-face. Yeah. Then if they refuse me at that point, if they refuse me, yeah, I might go with another person face-to-face. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Bible teaches. If they refuse the two of us, I would go with more than two people face-to-face. Right. It, it might be you. It might not be. I might, I might include you. I might not. You know, whatever. Because I'm an outsider that's looking at this. Right. So after the third time, if they say, I am not listening to God, I'm doing what's wrong. Right. Then if they are involved in our church or whatever, it's time for them not to be involved in our church. Mm-hmm. It's time for them to go find somewhere else. Because we do not want to do anything, first of all, that's against what God says. And that's how God says we treat people who live in obvious sin. That's how you do it. Right. Uh, secondly, we do not want to be enablers. Mm-hmm. In other words, we don't want to keep saying, well, we love them, so we're just going to put up with it. Right. God is intolerant. Mm-hmm. He's patient. Right. And we and should not be tolerant. It's yeah. huge. And we shouldn't be either. Right. So when you're talking about relatives, though, notice I said I kept you out of this so far. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You cannot say you are not my daughter or my son. Right. That's an impossibility. Right. So now you have to deal with the idea. And I've had some people say, I've, I, you know, my son's chosen this, so I've told him he's not my son and that kind of thing. I'm thinking, eh, nice try, but he's still your son. He's still your son no matter what. Yeah, Absolutely. you can't get out of that. Right. Now, what, what we can talk about and focus on is how then do you live in a way mm-hmm. that actually and in reality loves them, mm-hmm. that doesn't enable them, that would empower them to be able to make the decisions they need to make while at the same time making sure that the sin that's destroying them is not something you begin to tolerate or embrace. Right. And I think that's where it comes in. Um, I would encourage our, our listeners, go to the Bible and look up the passages on um, you know, a disbelieving husband or a disbelieving wife and see what God says about it. There, obviously, if somebody who you, – you can't control somebody else's mind. Right. You can't do it. 
if they're bent on saying, I am leaving this marriage or I am, you know, you're not going to be able to stop them no matter what you do. There is a way that you should respond, I think. I think you should respond looking for reconciliation. I think you, again, need to keep the sheep thing in mind where you're living in a way that's, that compels them mm-hmm. to see somebody who actually gets it. Yeah. You know, I mean, that over time, it gets really hard to throw stones at somebody who keeps doing the right things. Right, right. The only thing you can throw stones at them for is doing the right things. Mm-hmm. And that should be the goal, not a lecture. Right. Because most of the time, you know what will happen? Your kids will look at you and your wife and say, oh, well, you have these problems. Right. But that doesn't have anything to do with what you just did. Right. Yeah, but you you have these. See, what happens is immediately in the human spirit. Right. We start to look for all the other defects in the other human mm-hmm. to discredit them. Right. And uh, what we want to do, actually, is live a life where there's so few of those discredits. Mm-hmm that it's harder and harder for them to do. And I think as you get older, if you're committed to change, you're committed to growing, you're committed to adjusting your life on a continual basis. Um, it's kind of the meat off of the idols thing, which I'm not going to get into very much, but it's the kind of looking always how your actions affect other people mm-hmm. and adjusting yourself accordingly right? so that there's no possible way that somebody can do wrong by following you. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, maybe we could have a whole program on that one day, but it's basically not something that most people in your generation actually want to hear because they think I shouldn't have to adjust my life for somebody else. Right. But you need to. And that's really what you need to do. Right. I think we're just scratching the surface here. We're just going to take a short break and come right back. As you listen to this, if you want to re-listen to it, head over to Relate365.com. You can download this one and other um, of our episodes from Younger and Older and even get some other resources there as well. But uh, we'll be right back here on Younger and Older. Hey, welcome back to Younger and Older. Hey, hey. Hey. Hey, hey. Um, we're, uh, we're having a good discussion here. I think it's a very practical discussion, just talking about, you know, just relationships and even how we're imperfect and how we deal with sin and even how we deal with those that are around us that we, that we love and interact with that, you know, that might be, you know, struggling with stuff. Um, yeah. And that's kind of where we're at, you know. We, There's a lot of guilt out there. Yeah. Um, parents and relatives of people that, that, you know, their relatives are not doing something right, so they feel guilty. Mm. Uh, you know, I'd suggest that if, if you have family and family's not doing what they should be doing, welcome to humanity. Don't think it's odd. Right, right. That's pretty normal. Right. What we want to do is, and this is where a healthy church comes in, I believe, because what you want to do is surround young people with healthy examples of people that are doing it right. Right. So you want to have healthy marriages around. You want to have people who respect each other around. And you want to do this in the home. Eventually, they start seeing, oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, can, can I explain an um, educational principle? Yes. Okay. There's, there's two things. There's two ways that we really learn. Uh, one is a conditioning way, which is fine. And one is an educational way, mm-hmm. which is the ultimate goal. Yeah. The conditioning way is not done with anything other than usually pain mm. or understanding of, of roteness or whatever it might be, like Pavlonian dogs. I mean, you ring a bell, they, the saliva flowed, and they want to get a treat or whatever it might be. And, and you can train a dog. I used to train my fish. I knock on the fish tank. I would put the food at the top. After a while, I could knock on the fish tank. They all go up hmm. waiting for food. That's conditioning. Hmm. It's not evil, by the way. Right. They're not doing it for the right motive. They're not doing anything. It's just when I knock on the glass, 
if fish had saliva glands, they would be flowing. You know, I mean, and, and what they did is they brought out dogs in the Papillonian experiments and they would, every time they put meat out there, they would ring a bell. Hmm. Well, then they found if they ring a bell, the dogs start looking for the meat and they start, their saliva starts flowing. Hmm. So it's, it's, it's conditioning. Yeah. Uh, the, the standard example I get is uh, years ago, my daughter, she just started walking and I brought her out to the road uh, by our house. You know, there's a road that goes by. And of course, we're trying to get our kids not to run out and right. to the street because right. there's logging trucks and other things that come down there. And I painted actually a white line across the road. And I, and I said, uh, my driveway, not the road. And so don't go past the white line. And she goes, why? Because if you do, you can go out in the street and you can get really, you can get killed. She goes, what's killed? Well, you would you get hit by something and die. And she looked at me and said, I'm, I won't die, Daddy. I thought, okay, you're not getting it. Right. You have no idea what death is. Right. And you have no idea what I'm talking about. Right. So I said, if you cross the line, I'm going to give you a spanking. Mm-hmm. Oh, got that. Yeah, I understand that. So, so that's conditioning right there. Yeah. That's not a bad thing, by the way. That's a process in education. What we're doing is trying to preserve people until the next level where they actually get it. I right. Mean, that's right. really it. So here's what happens then. Down, I forget how long later, I'm walking to, to camp with, with my daughter. We're holding hands, walking down the road. And there's a, a fresh roadkill. I can't remember what it was, squirrel, chipmunk, something. And I pointed to it. I said, see that? She goes, yeah. Played in the road. Ah, uh-huh. got it. Got it. Now when she went to the edge of the rope, she was really careful. Right. Because she saw what dead was. Right. Now, what I did is I took a moment to change the conditioning to the education. Yeah. You don't have to teach anymore after the education on that point normally. Right. Now, yeah, they may forget. I, I forget and buzz out into the road, and I'm 62 years old. <laughs> so I, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm right. talking about learning and how we do it. So in many cases, we have to understand that's how people operate. There's, mm-hmm. a, there's a certain amount of conditioning. So your kids are growing up in your family. Yes, you as parents, you don't need to feel guilty about saying eventually you can't do that or there'll be a consequence. You know what I mean? That it's not, you know, if my daughter still looked both ways before she came out of a driveway because I would spank her and she's 33 years old, this would not be good. Right. She needs to do it because she understands why. Right. And that's what we're looking for when we deal with anybody in our household. We're, we're looking for the opportunity to change over the conditioning to education. Mm. What I said earlier was a lot of times that, that happens when we send a kid to college or send them away a little bit to summer camp, whatever it might be. Uh, and that's why I'm an advocate, by the way, of sending your high school person to a place like Silver Birch Ranch to work for free for a bulk of weeks during the summer. Right. Because everything you taught them, they could be challenged during that time away from you, and then they come back to you. Right, right. And that's a very important process. It's a healthy process. It is, because they need to either slide what they've been conditioned to into educational mode mm-hmm. and hear somebody else say it and do it, and, and that's what we're looking for. Yeah. So when you're living with family, mm-hmm. you have to understand when they're young, there's this conditioning thing, but you're looking for the opportunities. You may not get them as a parent. Right. Um, your children, because they're up here, I may give it to them. Mm-hmm. Or uh, Brad and Sarah might give it to them. Or somebody right. else might give it to them. But that's what you're looking for, is somebody else to say the same things in a different way, or you possibly, where all of a sudden it makes sense and they can change. Absolutely. So if you have someone in your family right now that's running from God, doing things they shouldn't do, yeah, I think there are times where you say, I'm not going to enable this. We're not you know, and even though it's not for the right motive and you don't understand, I'm not going to participate in it. 
you keep living right in a compelling way. Yeah. Keep your family around those others who are living right. Right. When you choose where your child's going to go for a year of college, mm-hmm. or two or three or four, choose a place where they can get educated and they can swing some of this over. I would suggest look at Nicolay Bible Institute, the, the place that we actually operate on the grounds of Silver Birch Ranch yeah. at uh, nicolaybibleinstitute.org. Because what's going to happen is they have to slide over to the educational mode in all of the things that you train them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yes, some of it will already be there. You know, and, and some of the process there is a little painful. I mean, if you're going to watch a child make a mistake so they learn from it, right? that could be painful. Right. Um, but First Peter, I want to read, First, First Peter, Peter 3. It says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, even if they don't obey the word. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not even talking about, at this point, a believer or unbeliever at this point. If they don't obey the word. Yeah. Okay, what are you supposed to do? You need to do this. Be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word, by the conduct of their wives, when they see that you are respectful, pure in conduct. Mm. See, that's pretty powerful right there. Absolutely. Uh, The sheep thing. Uh, You know, you want someone in your family to be different and think different? Mm -hmm. Then you need to lead them in how to do it. You may not be able to get them there, right? but you need to lead them. This is different than uh, what, what, what passage is it? Matthew something that Matthew eighteen I think okay yeah where where you're confronting somebody who's not in your family with sin and then you bring somebody else and you do it again right see it's different because they're not in your family at that point right it's not that you wouldn't confront who people in your family but the way to reach people in your family is not to kick them out of your family right because you can't uh, no it doesn't matter it, right? yeah it doesn't if a dad said I'm not your dad anymore I I've heard people say those kinds of things. And I immediately think, that's goofy. Right. I mean, I'm always going to be my daughter's dad. Mm-hmm. No matter what decisions they make. Right, no, no matter what. No matter what. No matter what decisions I make. I'm getting older, and I might make some really goofy decisions as I get old. Yeah. I'm still their dad. You know, they're not going to be able to get rid of me in that mm-hmm. sense. So I, it's a different situation. And I want to encourage those who are finding themselves in that position. The hope that you have is to love God yourself to do what is right and give an example of what it looks like. Mm-hmm. That's the only hope you have. Right. Let God do his thing. Let God do his thing. Pray, live right, let God do his thing, and, and make sure you're involved in a church mm-hmm. um, with people. So I, do you have time for a story? Yeah, we, yeah I love stories. Um, I remember I was um, going into to Walmart once and I was going in to get milk. Okay. And if you, you know, I'm kind of task oriented. So if I'm going to get milk, I'm pretty focused. I'm going to get milk. You're beeline. Yeah, I get the... out of my way. They put it in the back corner. You know, I know the way. I know where the shelf is. I got it all pictured in my head. It'll be in and out. And going into a Walmart food store and getting in and out fast, that's a miracle in and of itself. Touche. So I'm, I'm on my sprint, you know, and as I'm going by people, I'm my normal self. I'm going, hi, hi, you know, I'm going by people, how hey, you doing? Hey, But hey. get out of my way, you know, get out of my way. And, and so this one lady, as I went by, she goes, aren't you that guy from the church? <laughs> I put on the brakes and I thought, okay, delay, I'm being delayed here. So I put on the brakes. And I go back and I and I talk to her, and she says, "I said, what what church? I I haven't seen her at church, so I'm wondering what church are you talking about?" 
It might not be. But her daughter was coming to our club, our youth club that my wife and I were a part of. And, and so she recognized me, recognized the voice or whatever. She said, aren't you, aren't you that guy? And I said, yeah. Now she had a, um, what do they call those, a cervical collar on? Because of an accident, oh, you know, one of the, like a, yeah, yeah, so, like something, some medical something. neck brace or whatever sure. on. So I looked at her and I said, "So what's with the collar? I mean, what happened?" And she said, "Well, I got in a car accident. My car's totaled, and you know, now I'm trying to figure out how to do things. It's hard even to shop and etc." I said, "So is your husband helping you out? Uh, he he left me a long time ago, and so I'm hearing a story now in in, yeah. in the middle of the aisle of Walmart. Now you got to yeah. remember, I didn't want to do. I wanted milk. Yeah." And I'm standing in the middle of Walmart now talking to a lady whose husband left her and life isn't good. Right. I remember I looked at her and said, do you go to church anywhere? And she said, no. And I said, well, you should. Because this is where people help each other. Hmm. When you are down and out like this and something happens and you belong to a church, see, the people that go there kind of rally around you and help you. I said, they're not perfect people. Right. But what they are trying to do is be people who love one another and care for one another. And when you're having struggles like this, they would care for you. Mm -hmm. You know, she had moved from the area uh, shortly after that. But every week uh, until she moved, she went to our church Mm -hmm. after that. And all I did was see her in the aisle at Walmart and see this. What I was explaining to her was exactly the principle that we've been talking about. You need to hang out with people who are trying to do it right. They may not do it right because we're all sinful, but you need to be around as a parent, as a dad, as the president of a ministry. I need to look at what I do and say, I need to do this right. Yeah. Why? Because there needs to be an example of how to do it right. It's not all about me and and looking and saying, I'm going to fail anyway, so I might as well fail big. Mm -hmm. That's not it. It's how can I do this right? Mm -hmm. And when you do it right, there's a compelling argument for the person who's against you to say, well, at least I have to investigate that. Right. Says, who would go against a marriage after I've been married 38 years, and who would look at a marriage and say, well, that stinks. You actually love your wife. She loves you. You you don't argue. You don't throw things at each other. You actually like being together. That stinks. <laughs> Nobody would say that. No. Yeah, that'd be silly. It'd be the opposite. Right. What is the secret? What do you mean secret? Right. This is how you live. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. You're doing something. You're drugging each other. You know, you're <laughs> doing something. You know, no, we're not. Oh. And so all of a sudden there's a compelling reason to yeah. look at their life. Right. And what more of a compelling reason than being in a family where they see how you live? Right. Because family members know all the dirt on each other. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's not like you're going to be in a family and, and act one way when at home you're really a jerk. And uh, if that's taken place, then I would suggest that you begin to live like you should. And I would actually go to the people that you have been driving away from the kingdom and talk to them mm-hmm. and say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have been living this way and I'm going to change. Yeah. Let them see. Um, I was talking to a, a young man once and he was talking about, I was talking about change and I asked him this question. Have you ever seen an older man in your life say I'm wrong and change? And he said, no. Hmm. And I thought, that's tragic. You don't know how to do this. Right. Because you've never seen it done. We need to lead by example, not just by words. Right, because we're not perfect. No. 
So I think we had a great discussion today. If you want to re-listen to it, head over to Relate365.com. We have tons of resources besides podcasts there, so go check it out. Um, it's a ministry of Silver Birch Ranch. We're gearing up towards summer, so head over to silverbirchranch.org and sign up for summer. We'd love to have you here. Otherwise, we'll see you here next time on Younger and Older.